0: Rationally Writing. I'm Daystar Eld. And I'm Alexander Wales. And this is episode five, The Rule of Cool. So what is The Rule of Cool?
1: Well, Webster's Dictionary, actually, (laughs) sorry, TV tropes define Rule of Cool as the limit of willing suspension of disbelief is directly proportional to the element's awesomeness, right? So the more awesome something is, the more the audience will suspend their disbelief. So some examples of this, uh, there's a movie with Christian Bale, I think, called Equilibrium, and they have this thing called Gun Kata, a Firearms martial art based on statistically traditional trajectories of return fire. and lets you dodge bullets and stuff, and it makes... No sense, like, at all. But it looks really awesome, and so you just go with it.
0: Right. They make some token attempt to explain it. Yeah. It's appreciated, but we all know still, like you said, bullshit. Yeah. That little bit helps kind of go down a bit easier and make it more acceptable. So, Rule of Cool is anything from things like that to technology and most science fiction that, you know, the vast majority of science fiction technology we know is from what we currently understand about the universe, not very probable. But in sci-fi, there are certain tropes that have become so embedded in the genre that, you know, artificial gravity on spaceships that aren't spinning in space. If you want to be on the Millennium Falcon kind of ship, and you want to be able to walk around on it, artificial gravity like that is... It's just accepted as a cool part of the space genre. Yeah. And so we don't question it. But everything from things like that to... Uh, lightsabers, which are a technology that make no sense whatsoever, allow you to bring elements of sword fighting into a, a world with lasers and guns and have it actually be effective in some respect because of Jedis who have you know the sensitivity to predict or reflect blasts and things like that.
1: Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about lightsabers because I think they're an interesting mm-hmm. case because of how expansive Star Wars canon is. But basically when we talk about Rule of Cool, we're talking about One of a subset of artistic license, there's, like, rule of drama, that if something's dramatic, then it doesn't really matter if it doesn't make sense. Right. right? Or rule funny, if something is funny enough, it doesn't matter that it's nonsensical.
0: Right. So, the question is, is this inherently bad? As rational readers and writers, is this trope one that we need to avoid? And while TV Tropes likes to say, no trope is inherently bad... There are some cases where I disagree, like with The Idiot Ball. Uh, And Rule of Cool, when it manifests a certain way, definitely qualifies. Yeah. So first, it's important to draw a distinction between the two differing ways that Rule of Cool manifests. The first is as a thing or concept, like faster than light travel in sci-fi. And the second is manifesting as an event, like James Bond using a tank to chase a car in GoldenEye or even using the name James Bond everywhere he goes, despite ostensibly being a super spy. There's something called the Anthropic Principle, which is about how a universe with intelligent life in it, such as ours, by definition, must be capable of generating intelligent life, so it's pointless to try and make an argument out of how unlikely intelligent life developing is. And there's a version of the Anthropic Principle that relates to fiction, and it says that a fictional universe has certain fundamental rules that must be true in order for the story in that fictional universe to even exist. And the reader has to accept those rules to enjoy the story. So that's where the first form of Rule of Cool manifests. Star Wars as a story only works because faster than night travel is possible in that world. Everything from Pokemon to Superman relies on this kind of setting conceit. Rational stories have to struggle with it in a number of ways, but ultimately it can be acceptable as long as certain things are done to make it as rational as possible. However, the second way Rule of Cool manifests, which is as an event, can often detract from a story, and I would say it's almost always negative. It's arguable that lightsabers can be taken out of Star Wars and the story can be preserved in some way, but like you said, there's some room for discussion there there are ways to make a story with things like lightsabers more rational but when an event happens that's nonsensical just because it's cool that can break immersion and consistency in the story and i would say that can almost always be said to be just a negative writing trope
1: yeah and so rational fiction does not do this that with we will put a little asterisk asterisk there but um
0: rational fiction tries very hard not to do this
1: yeah, and I'll still put another asterisk there. Uh, if you're an author writing rational fiction, you're making a commitment to not include things that make no sense, even if they're wicked cool. Most of the time. Mm-hmm. I think I think that if you want to like dive into a genre like fantasy, you can, to some extent, skip through that. I don't expect you to rationalize everything especially if you're going into a genre, if you're going into like fantasy kitchen sink with elves and orcs and stuff, and you want your story to mostly be about wishes that people make. I don't think you necessarily have to rationalize all that, but that's more setting conceit than does mm-hmm. rule of cool necessarily. So um, if we'll go in depth on this, let me ask uh, what are your favorite rule of cool things?
0: Um, I would probably list, just the, like we saying sort of with the lightsabers, the idea that in some settings, using swords, I find swords almost always inherently cooler than guns, personally. Something about swords just has always been part of what makes fantasy so great. And with some exceptions, like Gunkata, where they manage to make guns very cool, cooler than they are normally, I guess I should say. Any story that has some reason for why people using swords is useful or effective in a world of guns is a rule of cool thing for me. I'm okay with, you know, whether it's cybernetic implants that make someone somehow faster than they should be, or someone who's just so skilled and trained that they're able to dodge bullets, or, you know, like, I'm I'm willing to accept that more than, than I normally would be for things like that, because it's such a cool thing to see people with guns and people with swords being about equally effective in a battlefield, with the understanding that the people with swords, generally speaking, have way more training and and some kind of thing that helps them move fast enough for it to be useful. Whereas in real life, there's probably no moment in history ever again in in the future where, where swords will be as effective as guns in any way.
1: Yeah, but you're willing to suspend your disbelief because it's cool.
0: Right, exactly.
1: Yeah, so for me, I think... Lightsabers, love mm-hmm. lightsabers, uh, laser swords as they're sometimes called.
0: The non-copyright version.
1: Well, yeah, but George George Lucas called them laser swords. That's how mm-hmm. they were in the original script, and he continues sometimes even now to use that term, and fans make fun of him for it. Like he doesn't, <laughs> like he doesn't understand that they're lightsabers. They're called um, lightsaber in the movie. <laughs> yeah, but he calls them laser swords because that's what they were created as, and so right. he just thinks of them that way. Um. I really like those. It, uh, they extend well beyond Star Wars. Right. Uh, there's a lot of ways to do it in D&D, some other fantasy. I think Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archives does not lightsabers, but it's it brings in some of the cool stuff about lightsabers.
0: Aragorn had, like, this these special magic elven steel swords that his, in particular, was called Vrissinger, and it, that means fire in the ancient language. So when he said Vrissinger, his sword would burst into blue flames, very reminiscent to, of a lightsaber, able to cut through metal and things like that. There are a lot of ways to incorporate it.
1: Yeah, and the, the movies don't, like, especially the original trilogy, they do almost nothing to justify mm-hmm. the lightsaber. They're just like, oh, it's this elegant weapon.
0: Mm-hmm. For a more civilized age.
1: Yeah, it's like, that that tells me (laughs) nothing. Like, why wouldn't you just, I don't know. It's
0: almost like in the Star Wars universe, lasers were invented before laser guns were invented. So obviously they had laser swords before they had laser guns. Before, of course, we had the prequels and everything. Like, when the movies were first made, it just...
1: Yeah, and the, the Expanded Universe does some really neat stuff with lightsabers. And it tries to justify them a lot to bring them past... Rule of cool. Um, we will talk about that mm-hmm. just a little bit later. Um, I, yeah, I love lightsabers. I think they're, they're so evocative and they're so cool that I don't really care that they don't, even with the justifications, they don't make that much sense, but mm-hmm. you, you just don't, you, you don't even need to tell me. I think they're cool enough that I don't need to know how a lightsaber works. It just, right. on it, it extends out and then you have a cool little battle with them. My other one is, uh, Waifu, which is you have, like mm-hmm. a 90-pound girl who, like, beats up 300-pound men.
0: Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy yeah.
1: the Vampire Slayer. You see it in uh, comic books quite mm-hmm. a bit.
0: Magic strength, essentially. Like, the, the idea that y- the size of your muscles is not proportional to the strength that you can, you can do.
1: Right, right. And it's not always, you know, it's not always magic strength. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Firefly has... River, yeah.
1: Yeah, R- River is just capable of kicking the crap out of these people and she's not stronger necessarily
0: but her her mastery of of martial arts from her indoctrination allows her to just kick the ass of people who should be generally speaking able to shrug off her blows
1: yeah and in dungeons and dragons which i've played that for 20 years now your size and your weight it's just small medium or large and so you can be like size medium and you can be like five feet tall and, like, 80 pounds, and have, like, ridiculously high strength, and doesn't matter at all to the game, because the game doesn't simulate on that level. And so I always chose those. I always chose small people, not necessarily women. Um, The trope is, usually it's a, like, waifish woman, but uh, it applies equally to, like, strong, powerful children, and you see it with Superman sometimes. There are versions of Superman where he's, like... uh, slender instead Mm -hmm. of bulked out i always just think the juxtaposition of that is a cool thing of musculature is a is a cool thing and i'm willing to suspend my disbelief quite a bit there
0: yeah so these are some of our favorite things personally everyone's going to have the their own but even acknowledging that these are things that we enjoy in some fiction why is it so important not to have them in rational fiction? Rational fiction in general is trying not to cheat at all. It's trying not to take any element of the story and suspend intel- intelligence or put plot holes in or not explore ideas to have awesome moments, dramatic moments, or funny moments. But the idea of rule of cool is that it's it's a, it's arising from purely how cool it is and not what the story dictates should happen or should be allowed. So
1: rule of core, you're basically saying to your audience, I don't want you to think about this, just accept that it's awesome and move on. And rational fiction is about analysis and you're inviting your audience in to look at things and question things. And then if you include things that don't make sense or they're not explained or justified, and they just are there because they're cool. I think that breaks down what you're trying to do, even if, Even if the cool thing is sort of tangential to Mm -hmm. that, if you just include the stuff that makes no sense, and then your story is largely about um, getting the reader in to think about things, then the reader will start thinking about things, and they'll get to this cool thing that you included, never explained, never justified, and they'll be like, well, why, why is that not?
0: Yeah, further explored, or used in different ways. Like it doesn't make any sense
1: within the story. I'd have to assume so many things for it to be even slightly plausible, and you, you're sort of not depending on people not carrying in as much suspension of disbelief because you don't you don't want them to suspend? Because that's asking them to turn off their brain.
0: Mm-hmm. So I have two questions. Then the first is, what does rational fiction offer instead of rule of cool? Like, what do we like? How do we get those cool moments in without asking the reader to suspend their disbelief?
1: Um, Okay, so there are a couple of ways that you can do it. Um, You can justify your cool things. Mm -hmm. A lot of fiction will bring in just hints of rules, and they'll just hand wave it away. I think you can go more in depth there. Like, okay, let's say that River Tam is an absolute master of martial arts, right? Mm -hmm. How would she fight differently? Because in like Firefly and in um, Serenity, it's just sort of depicted as her throwing harder punches. Yeah. Which is not how a much uh, weaker person would beat a stronger person through Mastery of Martial Arts. Uh, there's a lot of cheating going on there. Yeah,
0: and also a lot of what makes unrealistically cool fighting cool is that one fighter can take on like, multitudes of people, even if they're attacking them from different directions. You know, you'll see a a very good fighter fighting one person and having a rough time, and then three people come in and attack them, and they're somehow able to, like, block one's attack while dodging the second's attack and then hitting the third person, and just, like, keeping that up for seconds after second after second of intense fighting. And that's, like, a very unrealistic, rule-of-cool kind of fighting. And River Tam is able to do this in a room full of Reavers, spoiler alert, in Serenity, and... Like, that goes even beyond, like, how she's so strong, how she's so agile, how she's so able to maximally deliver damage and and avoid damage herself, and one thing that I thought about while watching it, just to kind of help justify it to myself, was, oh, well, she's a psychic. Like, we know that she has some form of extra cognition, and if she's able to detect where people, what people around her are thinking and, and what they're going to do, that would help immensely in her ability to fight at a level beyond what her physical form might imply she's capable of
1: yeah and i think that you can do a lot of that stuff to, to just go into the justification and then use actual thought for it like mm-hmm. don't just have it be a hand wave like oh she's a master of martial arts and then and then somehow she goes in and beats all these people you right. you go in and you say okay well so she's starting from uh Position of weakness, and she has much less reach, which is like really important if you're getting in a yeah. fist fight. Yeah. Um. So you think about how a uh, weaker, shorter person would beat a bigger person, and then you write about those techniques. And I think that helps a lot to avoid the rule of cool and just not require the suspension of disbelief as much. Because I don't think I I love Joss Whedon. He's great, but mm-hmm. I don't think that he thinks that much about how to do it because he doesn't need to right it's just rule of cool um lightsabers mm-hmm. uh in the expanded universe there's a just a ton of information about lightsabers some of it's hand-wavy it's like oh there's like a kyber crystal inside and it's a it's not actually a laser sword it's plasma trapped mm-hmm. in a this magnetic containment field and um there's, it's, like a, it's like a frozen blaster bolt, mm-hmm. is how it's sometimes described. Um, and then that still doesn't, you know. They 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 keep adding things onto it, and I think that helps a lot. And in some of the books, I'd almost call it like a rational take on lightsabers. There's a they they have this uh, excuse about lightsabers having like this gyroscopic like weirdness to them or stability to them that makes them really difficult for anyone but a Jedi to hold and that Mm -hmm. helps because uh lightsabers being uncommon doesn't
0: really make that much sense
1: if they're useful in battle
0: right you you want to assume that someone needs to be force sensitive because generally speaking using a lightsaber in battle um well let's put it this way in our world using a lightsaber would probably not be super effective in combat in any sense. In a world where they can reflect bullets slash lasers um, may be marginally more useful, but with the f- powers of a Jedi in order to, with like, their agility and their slight um, somewhat precognitive abilities, right, they're able to utilize the lightsaber to a- an effectiveness that mere mortals uh, following rational rules that we understand cannot.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I just don't think that you go in and you, in rational fiction, you say, oh, he flicked on his laser sword and mm-hmm. then like deflected bullets from it. And then that just raises, it raises too many questions. If people are in the mood. Yeah. yeah.
0: And raising questions can be great if you then answer those questions. And that's part of what, what keeps something from being a rule of cool moment and just makes it part of the story. And, um, there are a lot of moments in, in fiction where a token effort is made to, to explore a thing, but they don't the, what stops them from really being rational fiction as we understand it is they don't fully explore it. It's just either a throwaway moment or it's a, a one of kind of situation where um, you can feel that like maybe someone on the writing team like had the thought but they don't commit to it. The whole writing team or or the producer or whatever can't really commit to the idea of really exploring what that means and how to best take effect of that.
1: Yeah, Um, I I think you see it a lot in movies because it takes time to explain things and you don't want to you know, if your movie is 90 minutes, you don't want to spend 10 of it explaining Mm -hmm. how a lightsaber works and why only Jedi used them and stuff. Stuff that, that was largely left to novels right. in the expanded universe.
0: Also because it's important to realize that when you take rule of cool situations too seriously, uh, which I, in my opinion you should always take them seriously if you, if you can, they can tend to break the world or the, the genre. They can tend to break what the story has been about up until this moment, kind of. Um, yeah. and an example of that is is in Dragon Ball Z. Uh, the Saiyan biology is remarked once in a while to say that they say that if when a Saiyan is hurt or badly damaged, their body, or if they're almost killed and they're brought back to full health, their body like heals stronger. They're more physically strong and also like their power level rises and all that stuff. And this is a convenient way of, of giving heroes like a power jump every time they get defeated, uh, or villains for that matter. But it's also something that is only really explored once. At one point in the Frieza saga, Vegeta basically asks Krillin to blast him and almost kill him, because they have Dende there to to magically heal him. Frieza's fighting Piccolo, and it's clear that he's going to beat him, so Vegeta's like, we're going to lose, so I want you to almost kill me, and Dende will heal me up, and I'll be stronger, and I'll be able to fight Frieza. And so they do that, and it does make Vegeta stronger but not strong enough to beat Frieza because it like the gap between them is just that big. And instead of like, this is a one time moment where I was like, Oh good. They're intelligently applying a tool at their disposal to solve a problem that they have. Like they know this is how Saiyan biology works. They have senzu beans and healers in this world. They can just keep hurting themselves and healing themselves to get power jumps if they want to. Yeah. But that was the last moment in the series. As far as I'm aware, where someone basically had that thought and made that decision and they just never really revisited it again. Um, so, and part of the reason is understandable, because if they did, you would basically just never have to train again. Like, as Goku, Goku, Vegeta, Gohan, anyone with Saiyan blood, training montages and the whole, like, you know, going into the hyperbolic time chamber and, and training it, like, 900 times gravity, like, all these, like, iconic parts of the story, they just fall by the wayside because all you have to do is grow senzu beans and blast each other until you're as strong as a god, so...
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that's one of the really important things is that you can't just break your world for a cool thing.
0: Yeah. In rational
1: fiction, you can mm-hmm. do that in regular fiction. A lot of people will just be like, Oh, whatever. That like cool trick is never seen or heard from again, even though it's has very wide applicability. Mm-hmm. Um, there is uh Brian McClellan's powder mage trilogy uh, has a very structured magic system to it, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, he is actually, he was actually a, a student of Brandon Sanderson's, so. Um,
0: makes sense, yeah.
1: Yeah, it, make, it makes sense, but there's a point in one of the books where that magic system is violated, and it.
0: Also makes sense.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. So, so it makes it, it, um, the moment is really cool, but you're, you're like, well, that doesn't really work with what was established, mm. and I think it was easy to miss, but he, he's actually talked about this. He thought it was cool enough that you know, he's not going to be a slave to the rules. He would rather have that cool moment and, like... Mess 90- up his world. Yeah, 99% of people are not going to notice it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's never seen or heard from again. And that's... I can understand an author doing that, but in rational fiction, you really want to avoid that stuff. And I think it... a lot of in a lot of serial works, you see it because... The authors writing week to week or month to month, or they're just doing TV shows that are, you know, um, written by different authors. Right. I think Voyager breaks its own world. Like keeping helps.
0: consistent a rule set is harder when you're not writing everything all at once.
1: Yeah, and you just you need to make sure that if you're going to include a, a cool thing, that it's not going to break your world, and you can continue on and have this ordered rule set. Like, if you can do the cool thing within the rules, then that's become part of your world now.
0: And this is part of what makes, once again, rational fic distinct is that I don't want to call it laziness, but that the idea that like, I would rather have this cool moment than have this make sense is to me kind of lazy writing. And again, I can still appreciate stories that do it. Like I still enjoy it while I'm, while I'm watching it or reading it or whatever, Uh, but my ideal story is still one that does not do that. And I understand that, you know, I can't read every story that has that because not everyone has the time or interest or effort, um, put into making every part of their story make complete sense. But if I can find a story that does it, or if I can write a story that does it to me, that's the, that's the preference. And that's why I write rational fiction.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, so while we're talking about, uh, justifying things, I think there's, um, there's a distinction to be made between doing a hand wave mm-hmm. and, like, actually rationalizing something. Because it's, it's easy to just spout off some nonsense reason to, to dismiss the audience's, you know, mm-hmm. if the audience is, is heading towards a, a break in their suspension of disbelief, it's really easy to just spout something off and say, oh, no, we can't do that because of whatever reason. And then you just walk by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Star Trek is one of the worst offenders here. Um, Charles Strauss has a like deep loathing of Star Trek, and he's written about it often. But um, one of the things that he says is he was talking to one of the writers. And um, what they would do in scripts is they would just put in brackets in certain places, techno babble. Right, right just you know cuz the you have a problem whose solution is obviously just use the transporters or something right mm-hmm. and you just have a techno babble in brackets to get past that
0: give and, a reason why they can't use the transporter give a reason why they can't just use the shields give a reason yeah. why they can't communicate with someone yeah
1: yeah and if you're writing rational fiction i don't think that you can just do techno babble i don't yeah. think that's, that that justifies it it helps with suspension of disbelief but you're just going for the sequence of events you want without. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's the laziness again. It's just, it's straight up saying, don't worry about this. Let me just get to the part of the story that I want to write and not let me think about how to actually organically bring about the second part of the story, this next part of the story.
1: And I don't Uh, like mm -hmm. just straight out call it laziness, but it often feels like that. And I think it's, there's a symptom of lazy writing. They mm-hmm. just don't think about things. You, you wave them away without giving them any actual thought because you know that if you did give it thought the the whole plot would crumble. Yeah. I would rather uh, have it saved actually... than, than not have it addressed at all, but I don't know.
0: Yeah. And that actually brings me to the second question that I was going to ask, which is if you find yourself in a situation like that and you know that you want to include something, or if you're writing fan fiction, you have to include something because the, canon has it as too an integral part of the story. Um, what would you say is the best route to take? Is it to fully explore the idea, to try to make it so that it, it applies to as many things as possible? Is it to change the circumstances so that it doesn't cheat? And I guess I would I would describe these as, the way these are different is, for example, um, lightsabers, right? If lightsaber technology exists as a rational, in a rational story, you expect to see other weapons... Or other techniques with that technology that that, in all honesty, are probably going to be more effective than than the usual lightsaber technology or fighting style would be. But yeah. so, is it go in that direction where you take it as is and then try to uh, apply it in as many intelligent ways as possible, or would it be more of a? It's okay if this thing exists in the world as long as it doesn't solve problems that that it alone can solve because it's a magic MacGuffin device. Yeah. Um, and I think a good way to see this is in Harry Potter, the methods of rationality, lightsabers make an appearance uh, through the ancient blade spell. It's just a brief thing. It doesn't have any importance in the story. It's really just a cool little scene, kind of amusing, mostly like a, a shout out to Star Wars. And there's no impact on the story or the problems or the challenges in the story. It's just there for fun. So that's kind of like a, to me, it's not a problem because it's not, it's not cheating anything
1: right um i think in most circumstances i suggest running with it Mm -hmm. uh just because that tends to be my favorite kind of thing i that's a bluer shade of white does that with frozen because i just had a lot of fun writing it because you are presented with this power set that's just insanely powerful and you get a lot of mileage out of saying okay well given that that's the case what then and it, it opens you up to so many possibilities and i think it's more entertaining the star wars universe some of the expanded universe novels do this with lightsabers there's a uh, lightsaber form called Trakata, which involves flicker flickering your lightsaber off and on because that's one of the powers of the lightsabers that you can turn it off yeah and then you can turn it back on once so, you pass
0: their pass their blade yeah
1: yeah and I that is just, that is so cool, mm-hmm. and it's an implication of the technology, and the fact that it's behaving within these established rules makes it cooler. But you can't always do that.
0: Yeah, sometimes the rule of cool aspect, it breaks the world to fully explore it. Like, you, you are no longer writing a Dragon Ball Z story in many respects. You are writing a new story in the world of Dragon Ball Z, which is okay, but it's not necessarily the same story that you were originally going to tell.
1: Right. And I think, I think there is a place for just killing that cool thing entirely. Mm-hmm. Stephen King talks about killing your darlings. That's one of his most famous pieces of advice. When you're writing, there are things that come up and you're like, Oh, that's such a beautiful, brilliant idea. That's, that's a great character or it's a great moment. And then it doesn't actually fit in your story. Mm-hmm. And a lot of authors will try to include it anyway and they'll just shove it in and it makes for a much worse story and it makes for writing problems down the way because you've like broken your world or something like that. Um I think that's one of the primary reasons that you should kill something even if it's cool. If as if it you can't slot it into your story. Right. And I think that's one of the primary reasons that rule of cool comes about is because people have these neat ideas and then they just include them cuz they're cool but they don't fit. And so you have to kill your darlings.
0: Yeah, I've written a lot of stories where on the first write-through something very cool happens and very like yes, this is a great moment. And then at a later draft or on recollection, on 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 reflection, I'm just like this is probably better without it.
1: Yeah, and I've, I've written a lot of outlines for stories, and I'm like oh, these are like the five cool things that I want. And then I, you know, get through three of them and I get to the fourth, and I'm like oh, that no longer works with what I've written. So.
0: Yeah, just recently, actually, in the latest Pokemon chapter, I had to change things midway through because I'd realized this. I came up with a plan for Red and the others to capture Abba, uh, a lot of them, for him to use in his research and for them to be able to sell them and make some money. The problem came when I realized that there was rationally no reason for them to do it on their own. It's just way too risky. Too many things could go wrong. And that sucks, because part of the rationalist power fantasy comes from these clever plans and exploits paying off and helping the protagonist grow more powerful, so Red losing the monopoly on this technique really takes away from the coolness of it all. But once I had that thought that it would be a really stupid risk to take, I just couldn't shake it. I had to rewrite the second half of the chapter and put the Abercatching scene in the next one. So they'll have some time to prepare and minimize the risks and, you know, do all the boring, rational, safe stuff. And that kind of tension between maximizing the coolness of the story and the rationality of it happens all the time and it's harder than i originally thought it would be to make up for that sacrifice but that's obviously easier in some settings than others it depends on how
1: like if you're writing fan fiction it depends on the specific universe and how important that thing is to it um superman is a very nebulous character he's nebulously defined because there are so many versions of Superman with so many different powers, and you can cut out a lot of them and still have Superman. Like you right. can cut out super breath or laser eyes, and like yeah, it's cool, but it's not important.
0: I was yeah, I was just thinking of of the breath and the eyes thing when I was thinking. So like going back to the second type of of getting around the rule of cool, like the useless power, I guess, or the the not affecting power of the ancient blades and HPMR. If Superman's breath can still freeze things but he can't create a blizzard or put out a fire with his breath you know like you're still keeping the aspect that doesn't make sense and has no rational way to explain it it's, so it's still part of like the, the fan fiction it's still there as a nod to the the Canon but it's not you're not scratching your head and wondering why Superman isn't freezing this giant monster with his breath every chance he can, because his breath still has, like, the ability to freeze things, but they're small things, for example. Or, like, he doesn't have the lung capacity to put out a fire with his breath.
1: Yeah. The laser eyes, first of all, they, they don't make sense. But they also, you know, are one of the, the powers that Superman forgets that he has all the time.
0: All the time, yeah.
1: Yeah. He, he gets, like, pinned down... And then I was like, well, why aren't you shooting them with your laser eyes? I'd understand it if you were, like, in a residential area or whatever. But he's you don't like, want to kill
0: them, but, like, shoot their arm or something, yeah.
1: Yeah, or he's, like, fighting, like, monsters that he's shown, yeah. you know, no compunctions about killing. Mm-hmm. I think that's, if you want to cut something like that out, I think that's perfectly fine. I think that it's cool, but it's not that cool right. for the amount of work that you would have to do to explain it if Mm -hmm. you wanted superman to have laser eyes i guess
0: right and i mean superman forgets quite a lot of his powers convenient to the story obviously and any hero that i see that can fly the moment they fight a villain that can't fly i always wonder why don't you just fly them up and drop them why don't you just fly them into space and launch them into space if if you can breathe in space or even if you can't just go to the upper like usually there's a, a host of other powers that flying heroes have that you know allow them to do things like that and This is a real problem, I think, for a lot of kind of like building on rule of cool where you can have a rule of cool moment where someone does something that's really awesome and like amazing and doesn't necessarily break the story, but if they don't continue doing it, like we spoke about before, it, it raises the question of why not. And that I think is another great way to, to handle the rule of cool is start exploring why not, or start actually having them explore it and and go with it and see where that takes you in the story because a very common rule of cool moment is when someone gets a power boost from emotion uh in a lot of like shonen anime or general like magic where magic is, is influenced by emotion in some way someone in a in a dire such circumstance just gets like super powerful or super burst to their spe- to their magic and and is able to beat the bad guy or something and this is the kind of thing that it's really cool to see the first time you're exposed to that kind of thing. And it's really cool to see maybe even the 10th time, as long as they, you know, the exact same thing doesn't happen every time. But when you, when you know that that's something that happens and you're writing a story in which that kind of thing can happen, taking that into account and writing that knowledge into the characters, actions and, and planning is important. And that's, one of the ways, again, to solve the rule of cool circumstance where the only reason rule of cool is a problem is if it's not explored, if it's not explained. If you can do so, it's totally yes. fine to to have those moments of, you know, organic cool.
1: Yeah. If, if you can uh, just go with your r- rule of cool thing that you established, then it's not really rule of cool anymore it's just a cool thing yeah um and and you're not violating suspension of disbelief like if you want to say that you have this magic system where um like physical strength doesn't really matter it's all about someone's key, right then you can go to like Wei Fu and say okay well like it doesn't it doesn't matter how much you weigh or how much muscle mass you have so long as your key is strong like Physical strength is irrelevant. Reach might still matter, but you know, whatever. But you can take that to its limits and then you can say, okay, well, most fighters are going to be smaller mm-hmm. because they have less mass to move around. And they're, if key is the dominating factor and small people have as much key as large people, then like maybe there are going to be more small fighters and you just, you can run with that and show its impacts on the world. In, in neat ways
0: right give give benefits and and negatives to have being a, a big fighter versus a small fighter and and right. have explore explore it in a different way and that's what we're striving to do as rational writers we're trying to make the cool moments organic and explain the unexplained um the previously unexplained for writing rational fiction
1: yeah so so those are basically our three options would you say you can you can kill the thing just Yep. make it make it go away because it's it's cool but it's not within the rules it's gonna break the setting whatever Mm -hmm. you can
0: uh, minimize it make it so it's just a minor minor thing that doesn't have quite the impact or uh range as it did in uh the canon
1: yep you can uh justify it um explore it yeah yeah explore it uh not not really in a hand wavy way um or you can just run with it yeah um so i think basically three options for for how you can mitigate rule of cool or right. the loss of coolness by saying we're not just going to lean on audience suspension of disbelief and we're, we're not just going to not explain things
0: yeah all right thanks for joining us and tune in next time where we talk about magical systems and speculative fiction <laughs>